0: Hello, and welcome to this episode of Fathom in Conversation, a new economics podcast. This is brought to you by Fathom Consulting, an independent research consultancy specializing in macroeconomics, geopolitics, and financial markets. In this series, titled The Rise of China, we explore the emergence of China, its extraordinary economic boom, and the impact that's had on the rest of the world. Each episode features an in-depth discussion with Fathom's team of economists, who use their knowledge and expertise provide insights into the Chinese economy. Episode 6, Digging Your Way Out of a Hole. Hello and welcome. Today I'm joined by Laura Eaton, one of Fathom's China specialists. Hi Andrew. So far in this series, we've outlined how China's export and investment-led growth strategy has enabled the People's Republic to emerge on the global stage. And in the last episode, we outlined the role that the country's rise has played in the build up to the global financial crisis, 2008 to 2009. But for a crisis that spread around the world, at first glance, the effects on Chinese growth appear relatively benign. So Laura, how do we explain that?
1: So during the years before the global financial crisis, the growth in China's productive capacity kept pace with demand for its goods and services. But that was heavily reliant on the rest of the world rather than Chinese consumers themselves. So then when the global market uh, slowed dramatically due to the global financial crisis, China decided to offset this by replacing it with investment. So a stimulus package which amounted to 4 trillion yuan, which created investment as a share of GDP to be just shy of 50% in 2011, which is significantly above the world average in the previous three decades.
0: And this investment boom that you describe, it left like massive amounts of excess capacity in some sectors, particular housing and real estate.
1: Yeah. So in the six years that followed the collapse of Lehman's, annual real estate investment was at double digits and double digit growth, accounting for around a fifth of all total fixed asset investment within China. This... Created a massive amount of housing within China, but the policymakers wanted to maintain house price inflation. So house price to income ratios in some regions within China are at 30. So that means it takes 30 years of disposable income for a whole household in that region to pay for one house. So what it did was that it just extended construction times, so that it didn't release this large amount of supply onto the onto the market. So demand. On a typical average year in China, the housing equates exactly, almost exactly, to supply to maintain house prices. This, however, has created 50 million houses which are either vacant or under construction within China at this point in time. That is more than the amount of housing in the whole of the UK. So if it's taking longer to produce uh, the same amount of stuff,
0: that must imply that either workers are less productive or that they're working less. And if you look at official measures such as the unemployment rate, they would suggest that workers are working the same amount as before. So really the problem must be they're less productive.
1: Yeah, so the urban official unemployment rate has been at about 4% for the last decade or so within China. But this may actually not be incorrect. But what you should be looking at to gauge the degree of slack within China's labour market is China's underemployment rate, which we've created And that shows that the share of the urban labour force, which has been in work but engaged in unproductive activities, has massively increased since 2008. So it's now 14% of the urban labour force. The issue with that is that China is trying to rebalance towards the consumer, but wage growth needs to pick up in order to do that, to strengthen the consumer's uh, purses effectively. But wage growth is led by productivity growth. And that will not increase as long as workers are employed in these unproductive activities. And policymakers do not want workers to be laid off, even if the work isn't there for them to do, because its number one priority is to avoid social unrest.
0: Yeah, and as you say, it's, it's really a case of authorities doing whatever's necessary to prevent people from becoming unemployed. So you hear all these stories, all these reports of these wholly unproductive projects being commissioned. So effectively just digging holes and filling them back up again. And you also hear these reports of these two-hour factory days. So forcing workers to come into work, only to go home again two hours later.
1: Yeah, so there's been some anecdotal evidence that normally in China for Chinese New Year, they shut for two or three weeks in January or February, depending on where the holiday lies. But this year, some factories have been shut since November. But those workers are still employed, but they're just literally not going to work, which does sound great.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure we'd all like that. Um, But obviously, one of the problems that we see in China is that banks are still lending to these firms. So despite them producing less, despite time taken to complete projects uh, progressively getting longer, they're still lending significant
1: amounts of money to these firms. That can't be right no so exactly the bank there for every investment loan which is given that bank is expecting there to be a return on that investment but if you're waiting seven years to sell a house then that return is going to take a long time to come through so the official measure again would maybe not pick this up it's the proportion of loans which are non-performing within China are around seven percent according to official metrics but ours is around 30 percent which is higher than it was in Japan back in the 1990s so the reliance on this type of growth is just not sustainable it may achieve the growth rate which China needs in the short term or Xi wants to get his third term in power however in the long term the problems that it's storing up for the future are getting larger and larger Yeah, so it does sound like there's increasing pressures on China's old growth model.
0: But despite that, it's impossible to ignore that by hook or by crook, they've managed to keep growth on track through some pretty turbulent times.
1: Yeah, true, but digging your way out of a hole can't go on forever.
0: Exactly. And unless China can properly deal with the ticking time bomb of non-performing loans, the probability of a banking crisis will remain high. Ultimately, if policymakers persist with the current strategy, they will only dig deeper... To the hole they've created for themselves. And with that, we're brought to the end of our episode. This time, we've heard how China's growing productivity problem has led to policymakers burying their heads in the sand and effectively commissioning workers to dig holes only to fill them back up again. I'd like to thank Laura Eaton for joining me.
1: Thanks, Andrew.
0: Next time, we take stock of China's position within the global economy and ask whether the People's Republic can finally challenge U.S. dominance of the global economic system. Till then, if you're interested in the topics covered in this episode, why not check out Laura's notes, China is due a banking crisis and China's ticking NPL time bomb. To read any of the material referenced in this episode or any other, go to the podcast section of our website at fathom-consulting.com where you can find the show notes. And make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on any future content. Thank you for listening to Fathom in Conversation. This podcast is brought to you by the team at Fathom Consulting, presented by me, Andrew Harris, and both edited and produced by Liara Gabai. Fathom is an independent consultancy specializing in global macroeconomics, geopolitics, and financial market research. Our economists also produce in-depth research in China, and we have built a suite of analytical indicators specifically to monitor the Chinese economy. To find out more about our research and bespoke consultancy work, Go to fathom-consulting.com. If you're interested in the data side of things, check out Fathom's chart book on Refinitiv's data stream and icon platform. This is our library of over 9,000 ready-made charts containing up-to-date global, macroeconomic, and financial market data. Simply type CBook into your icon search bar to find out more. From all of us here at Fathom, thanks for listening to Fathom
1: in Conversation.